This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. I'm going to jump in to today's message. Come on, let's clap a little bit louder. We're going to make some noise today and have some fun in church. Okay, we are in part three today of a series that we've been going through called In My Feelings. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the, to the place where you can tell you're really emotional and you're all up in your feelings and you're a feeler and you're, you're feeling things. And um, if you are a feeler, we've been talking about the reality that the reason why you're like that is because God is a feeler. And in the scriptures, God has feelings. And because you've been made not in the visage of God, so you don't look like God's, God's makeup. You've been made in the image of God. So God's DNA is in you. The only difference between God's emotions and our emotions is God feels things, but he doesn't act contrary to his nature. We feel things and, well, we say things we don't mean and we do things we shouldn't shouldn't do and we spend money we don't have and we root for teams that we shouldn't root for. Ugh, clippers. And, um, ugh, sorry, something in my throat. And um, that's because we're emotional. We're feelers. We've been talking about this question as a community. Are you in control of your emotions or do your emotions control you? Who's the boss? Who's in charge? Do your emotions control your schedule, control your spending, control your relationships, or are you, are you mature enough to go, I feel this way, but I'm not going to act this way. I feel anger. I feel depression. I feel sadness. I feel, I feel very fiercely in these feelings, but it doesn't mean this can control me. So we're trying to learn as a community how to get mature so we can be on top of and we can actually navigate even in spite of how we feel. So this week, i, I got to be honest with you, this is my favorite of all the messages. Uh, message one was really cool. It's called The Lies of Loneliness. you got to check that one out if you missed. Last week, it was, it, was, it was really powerful. We talked about, what was the title of last week? Symptoms of the Scared. Thank you very much to the front row. Who had to listen to it five times? They know it because they had to listen five times. Symptoms of the Scared, you can catch up. But this week, I want to talk about when you are exhausted, when you are depleted, when you are, we're going to look at a guy in the Bible's name, Samson, when you're vexed in your soul, you're actually on the brink of breakdown. I want to talk together about how important it is that you get really careful in these moments, really astutely aware of the ramifications that are in front of you, because it's usually when you're on the brink of breakdown that you make the worst decisions. Let me show you somebody in the scriptures. This guy's name is Esau. Now Esau, he is the firstborn to a guy named Jacob. Jacob, in our translation, he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of land. He's got a lot of cars. He's, he's very rich. He's a very wealthy man. And in this context, the inheritance did not go to the secondborn. It would land on the firstborn. The blessing landed always on the firstborn. And so Esau is in line in his birthright 
to get a massive inheritance. So Esau's been out hunting. You know, he went to Bass Sporting Good. He got all the REI stuff. He got the camouflage and the John Deere tractor hat. And uh, he goes out and he's hunting. He's been hunting for a while. And he comes back, he's famished. He's totally depleted. Physically, he's exhausted. He's totally at the end. And he comes back in and his brother has made some soup. Like some Campbell's soup. I kind of liked it. came to my head, I had to say it. So he comes in the house He's so famished that he's like, hey, man, can I get a, just give me some of that hearty, healthy bowl of soup. And his brother's like, okay, for sure, I'll give you the soup. If you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you a cup of soup. Now, this goes to show you how strong sibling rivalry can be. These are called competitive brothers. And, and so he says, yeah, I'll give you my whole inheritance or, or I'll give you my bowl of soup if you give me your entire inheritance. Now watch, Esau's so tired, he's so exhausted, he's so depleted that in this moment he's thinking to himself, well, what good is my birthright? What I need right now is a bowl of soup. See, because when you're exhausted, all you can see is the immediate. All you can see is what's right in front of you. And I want to, I want to just show you something. This is so, so important that we understand this. That the consequences are always greater than the reward. In fact, you can write that down in your notes somewhere. The consequences are always greater than the reward. We're going to read in just a moment. And Esau is going to be rewarded with a bowl of soup. But the consequences are going to be damaging. So here's the reality for our lives. You can go ahead and do that. And you can enjoy it for a moment. And you can indulge in the passing pleasures of sin. And you can take your bowl of soup, but on the back side of it, you're going to despise your decision. And in fact, you'll probably despise what you could have had. Watch here, Genesis 25, and watch what it says here about Esau when he comes to this place. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. (laughs) He was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Would you just be aware that What you exchange and what you give up is usually what you're going to despise. Some of you, you should be a leader in the church, but because of decisions you've made, you despise leaders in the church. Some of you, because of the way you've handled your marriage, you despise your spouse because you exchange your spouse for a passing moment of pleasure. You've got to be careful because in the end, you'll end up despising what you should have had. So he despised his birthright. I want to preach a message today. Write down the title. It's called The Brink of Breakdown. I want to talk as a church when you are on the brink of a decision like Esau. The brink of exchanging what could be massive, what could be huge, what could be legacy, what could be your destiny. And you got to be really careful because when you're weary, you're going to make weary decisions. We've got to learn this together as a church. Amen? 
So come on, let's pray together. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's agree together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Together, we decide and we declare that you are greater, you are stronger, you are bigger, and you are better. Lord, help us to get rest. Help us to get restored. Help us to get rejuvenated and revived so we can become the people you've called us to be. We thank you that you are good, gracious, kind, and you can restore our brokenness. We thank you for it. And God, we thank you that the Lakers are on the brink of breakthrough. Lord, they're not on the brink of breakdown. Lord, thank you that you're sending all kinds of people to LA, your favorite city, and you're blessing our team, not the other team. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together. Come on, Angelinos, let's clap right now and let's thank God. We are blessed. Go Lakers. I, I don't know if you've ever like been, been in a car that's broken down. I don't know if you ever, ever owned a car like in your family that's like on its last leg. Like my dad, when I was growing up, my dad drove this yellow pickup truck. This massive GMC. His friend wanted to give it to my dad, but my dad didn't feel good about just getting a free car, so he gave him 10 bucks for it. And my dad, it was like one of, those one of those trucks that was like every time you started it, you said a prayer. Like every time you started it, like you got like perfect amount of like ignition plus gas plus prayer plus a little bit of this plus a little bit of like, let's see if it goes. Just like it's on the light. Like when, you like when you're at a stop sign, you're like, all right, we're going to take a right. Here we go. Like it was just like you just never knew of this thing. Like it was just... Like, it was used, it was abused, it was just like, it was old, it was, it was nasty, it smelled, it didn't smell bad, it smelled used, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's things you smell, you're like, ooh, that's funky, there's other things you're like, whoa, a lot of people have sat here, a lot of people, a lot of people have sat on this bench. There's one of those benches where like seven people can fit, three seatbelts, seven people. Like, these, they don't make these things anymore. But it was like, it was always on the brink of breakdown. I don't know if you've ever felt like this in your life, like, like your body's about to break down. Like physically, you're, you're like about to, like, why am I getting old? Like, I used to think it was weird when old people put their hand right here. And now, like, the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm at Disneyland with my kids. And I'm like, wow. <sighs> it actually feels good doing that. I don't know what it is, man. I always think my dad was weird when he did it. Now I'm like relief because like my body's breaking down my bank account is breaking down anybody else someone's like that's good <laughs> like, but you got to understand when when you're on the brink of breakdown when it's not humming and charging and fueled and excellent you got to be really careful because it's in these moments and let me say it again write it down the consequences are greater than the rewards and here, it is here that Esau is going to pay such a massive consequence. And the reward, the reward will be a bowl of soup. It will have lasted for as long as a bowl of soup lasts. The reward was momentarily. The reward was immediate. The reward was a meal. 
but the consequence. In fact, watch here what the New Testament says in the book of Hebrews about this moment and this decision that Esau makes. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 12. Be careful that no one among you lives immorally, becoming careless about God's blessing, like Esau who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. In other words, church, what I'm trying to tell you is what you're exchanging your birthright for, what you're exchanging God's blessing for, what you're exchanging your legacy for is just a simple thing. It's just like a meal. It's just like a relationship. It's just like a, a vacation. It's just like gamble. It's just something in the moment, but it's not going to be blessing. You got to understand, when you're on the brink of breakdown, when you're, when you're just totally depleted and totally exhausted and totally, that's when you got to be the most scared. Because you're like, help me from myself. Because I'm so tired. I'm so depleted. I'm so drained that right now, soup sounds better than blessing. The momentary Sounds so much better than the everlasting. I'd rather have right now, oh, just somebody get me a, a this because I don't even care about the, the that, the God thing. You got to be really careful. I'm going to give you some, a few things to write down. When you're on the brink of breakdown, here's the first thing that's happened is you're facing exhaustion. Exhaustion has set in. And when exhaustion sets in, when you feel exhausted, I'm telling you, you will make some of the worst decisions of your life. It is when you feel vexed, you feel depleted, and usually you gotta, uh, you got to be able to identify what category of my life do I feel exhausted. Is it physical exhaustion? Is it mental exhaustion? Is it spiritually is it mentally? What is the area of my life? In fact, just write down the categories that it could happen. It could be physical. It could be mental. It could be emotional. It, it could be spiritually. What, what are the areas of your life that you could, because you got to understand, sometimes you get to the brink of exhaustion in one area, and it will actually affect another area. I remember when I first moved here, I used to work out with a guy in our church named Zach Franklin. And Zach Franklin, he's a big workout guy. He loves to do like, you ever meet someone that does crazy workouts? Say, like, I'm, I'm a safe workout guy. I go to the gym. I get on the treadmill. I do the ab roller. I stay between two stations. I don't go to the weights. What do I have to do with the weights? I'm not touching a weight. Like, Julia's always like, you need to put on muscle. I'm like, we've been married 10 years. Have you ever been like... I'm going to go to the gym and like put on muscle. I don't do muscles, okay? I do cardio, do the ab roller. That's all I do. This, this season, I was working out with Zach Franklin, and he's got me doing stuff that like I literally got to, I, I got to my quitting point, my breaking point physically. I couldn't take another step. I couldn't do another burpee. I couldn't do another push-up. I was just, I was at the end physically. I'll never forget spiritually, a couple summers ago, we did our first conference, and then I went on tour, this outcry tour. We went to 15 cities all throughout America, and we were on different buses, and it was like an arena every night. So I went from Sundays to conference to the tour. Spiritually, when I got done, I was so physically exhausted, but spiritually, I was gone. I'll never forget emotionally, emotionally. A few months ago, uh, my brother-in-law passed away, and we went to Palm Springs, and we were with him, and I felt, when we got back emotionally, 
I just, I didn't have another tear. I didn't have another emotion. Emotionally, I was gone. Mentally, I'll never forget when I wrote my first book, Unreasonable Hope. We spent so much time editing, outline, red tape, red, just red, 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 just edit, edit, edit. Mentally, I was gone. And you got to understand, you got to identify, is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it spiritual? Is it what, whatever it is, because sometimes if you don't identify, you won't refill the thing that's broke. Sometimes you get exhausted and you think, I, I, I spiritually can't read my Bible or pray or go to church, but really just like physically, you're just like, you need rest. And sometimes if you're not careful, these two things is amazing to me. One of my favorite stories is a guy named Samson. And Samson, long story short, he, he falls for a girl that he shouldn't be with. And her name is Delilah. And she keeps wearing him down. And he got so drained emotionally and so drained mentally that the Bible says his soul became vexed. He got depleted. He got sad. He got angry. And when you're exhausted, your soul will get so vexed, so overwhelmed that you're like, I don't care about my, my blessing. I don't care about my calling. It didn't even have to do with his spiritual life. It had everything to do with his emotional and his mental fatigue. In fact, watch here in the book of Judges. Watch what happens to Samson because he's so tired. Sorry, thank God the cap was on. <laughs> Judges 16, verse 16. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death and he told her all that was in his heart. It wasn't when he was happy and healthy and feeling refreshed and feeling rejuvenated and feeling excited and let's go. If he was in that state, he'd be like, I will never tell you my secret. But when he was vexed, when he was exhausted, when he was tired, when he was on the brink of breakdown, he let go of his birthright. He let go of his blessing and he actually exchanged it for a woman. Maybe your thing is soup. Maybe your thing is girls. It doesn't matter. When your soul is vexed, you're going to exchange your blessing for the momentary you got to be really careful. And what will happen if you don't identify I'm exhausted physically or it's spiritually or it's emotionally or it's mentally, what will happen is it will manifest itself. Write down number two. It will manifest itself in anger. A lot of people, it's like, you're not angry. You're tired. <laughs> and because you're so tired, you're angry. It's just exhaustion. One of my favorite stories, if you don't know anything about the Bible, this is unbelievable. This guy named Moses, massive leader in the Bible. And Moses, he's so amazing because God calls him and he feels unqualified. So he goes into leadership feeling like, God, why did you choose me? But God let Moses lead people, lead his people through all these plagues, through the Red Sea on dry ground. Moses gets the Ten Commandments. Moses has the pillar of cloud and the fire by night. Moses leads the people for 40 years. But the Bible says that as he leads, he gets criticized. The people rise against him. The people judge his leadership. The people totally exhaust his soul. So the Bible says one time they come to this one crossroads and there's no water. There's no water, and the people again start to complain against Moses. They're like, Moses, you're the worst leader. Moses, we're tired of your leadership. Moses, the, in our era, this is like people rising against you on Twitter. They start tweeting. They got no profile picture. They got the little egg, but they're tweeting against Moses. They're like, at Moses, we hate you. Hashtag faker. You know, they just hate Moses. And Moses feels so excited. He goes to God. He's like, God, again. 
I hate these people. This is, this is leadership. He's like, I'm tired of them. They complain all the time. God, why do I have to lead them? And so, so God says, don't worry. I'm going to do this. Go to the rock and speak to the rock, and it will make me look big again, and I'll make water come out of a rock. Moses is like, I'm so tired of these guys. Okay, fine. So the Bible says Moses goes to the rock, and he's so tired. He's so exhausted. He's so mad at the congregation that instead of speaking to the rock like God told him to, he takes his staff and he strikes it a couple times. When he strikes it, water flows out. The Bible says when he does this, God comes to Moses and says, because you didn't obey me and because you didn't obey my command, I told you to talk to the rock, not strike the rock. Therefore, you will not enter into your promised land. Again, he exchanged the moment for the blessing. Why did he do that? Mentally, he's fatigued. Spiritually, he's depleted. Physically, he's exhausted. You see what happens when exhaustion sets in? You start, you start doing things that's like, ah, that's not really you. Uh, I think that you're like, I think you're better than that. Hey, remember back at the rock when you like started like swinging your staff and like striking it and stuff? Hey, the team and I were talking. That was like, this is weird. It's like, because usually like you hold it together and you're like, really like, you good, bro? And Moses, if he was, if he was wise, he would have been like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not good. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to break. I feel, I feel like, I feel like I'm this close from snapping. Uh, Moses, heads up, you just did. The whole church was there. <laughs> you see how he faced the consequence and not the reward? It's a theme. Wait, happened to Samson? Happened to Moses? Wait, happened to Esau? See, if you're on the brink of breakdown, you're in good company. The, some of the greatest characters and leaders in the Bible were on the brink of breakdown. The difference is they broke. Samson never really walked in his God-given potential. Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land. Esau gave up his birthright to his brother for some soup. And the consequences were so much greater than the reward. And here's what sets in usually. When you're on the brink, when you're on the brink of breakdown, and you have that explosion, you drink your soup, and you have that moment where you tell what you shouldn't have said, Here's what sets in. Write down number three, sadness. And all of a sudden you get really sad. This is David in the Bible. David, David again exchanges the moment for the blessing. And, and, and just relate with David here in Psalm. Watch, watch the scripture he says to God. This is, this is in Psalm uh, 6 verse 6. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. Wait, that's in the Bible? Yeah, because there's some people in the scriptures that broke down and they couldn't do anything but cry and they were in depression and they were in sadness and they had remorse and they had regret and they made decisions that made them feel like, I can't do anything but cry. 
Like the Bible says, Esau, through much tears and repentance, tried to get his blessing back, but he couldn't. There's something about being in a place where it's like, not only do I feel like I'm breaking down, but I've already snapped and broken down, and I was exhausted, and I had anger, and now I've got sadness, and I'm in my feelings, and now I feel like I was too far gone. Well, just a heads up, that was in the Old Testament. You and I, we've got Jesus in the New Testament. Come on, anybody thankful that though weeping may endure for a night, joy cometh in the morning. The Bible says those who sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy. That God says for everything under the sun, there's a season. In fact, God, he loves you so much, he will actually bring a season of breakdown. He will actually break you down to build you up stronger. In the New Testament, Jesus said it this way. John 15, verse 15. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Anything that bears fruit, I prune away. So here's the question. Is God bringing your breakdown or are you the author of your breakdown? Because I'm okay if God asks me to break some things down. I'm okay if God wants to simplify my life. I'm okay if it's God appointed. But I don't want to put myself in situations where I'm have to face the consequences when I could be in the reward of fruitfulness from my life you got to be really careful in these moments because God loves you enough and God will actually prune you he'll simplify you it says he disciplines the ones that he loves so God will sometimes break down your life maybe the foundation's not right he'll build you back up but I'm talking about the brink of a breakdown physically emotionally mentally or spiritually and you got to be very careful because that is not the author of God coming to your life that is you being a bad steward that is you overspending yourself that is you not getting enough of what you need for your soul your relationships and your your future so I want to speak to you now not from the brink of the breakdown but right down the second title today it's called the brink of a breakthrough and I want to give you some things today that will help you in your life break through that emotionally exhaustion break through your spiritual fatigue break through your physical ailments God wants to help you get healthy come on John 10 verse 10 that is the Zoe scripture the thief comes to steal kill and destroy he wants to destroy your virtue and mess with your mind and, and hurt you spiritually but Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it what more abundantly I want to encourage somebody. You're on the brink of a breakthrough. You might feel like you're so tired. You're like, I'll, I'll take a soup right now. I'm so tired of my kids. I'll break a rock right now. I'll do it. I'll do it. This woman making me so tired. She exhausts myself. I feel vexed. You can cut my hair. I don't care. Maybe you, maybe you relate with, with Moses or Samson or, or Esau. But I want to tell you, you're doing better than you think you are. And you're, at, you're, you're not on the brink. The devil wants to convince you, you're about to break down. You hear the Spirit of God? You're on the brink of a breakthrough. You're this close away from the biggest breakthrough of your entire life. Oh, I wish somebody had some faith today to say, God is for me. Who can be against me? I'm not about to break down. I'm about to build up. I, I had a minor setback, but I feel a major comeback. Somebody thank God right now. If God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, give him a praise right now. You're about to break through. There's a breakthrough on the way. There's a breakthrough on the way. I'm going to give you a few things to write down. Here's what you need for your breakthrough. Number one, connect with friends and family. 
Here's what you need for your breakthrough. You need to connect for your soul, for your relationships. You need to connect with your soul was made to connect with others. And isn't it amazing that it's usually when I don't want to be around anybody, it's when I need to be around somebody. And if your breakthrough is going to happen, it's going to come via somebody. You need to connect with friends and family. Write down number two. You need to meditate every day. It's called prayer. You need to find a time, some meditation. Find some meditation. I believe in meditation because the Bible prescribed meditation. It actually said in Joshua chapter 1, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, that you may be careful to observe all that I've written in it, and then you will be prosperous, and then you will have good success. So in other words, the Bible had the idea of meditation. It is God's idea for us to meditate. So you need to find some time. In fact, I just want you to close your eyes. Everybody, even on the live link, unless you're driving, close your eyes. So everybody close your eyes, breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. God, thank you for today. Our lives are yours. We meditate on your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. We worship and adore you. You are in control. In Jesus' name, amen? Yes. Just take a moment every day in the car, in your house. Like, I thought you had to do yoga to do that. <laughs> I went to yoga once, but then I looked around. I can't touch my toe. I can't touch my knees. I felt judged. Walked out the door. You need to meditate every single day. Write down number three. Work out. You need to get your blood pumping and your body moving. Now, this will help you in, oh, every area of your life. Something about getting fit physically, and it helps you mentally. In fact, i got to be honest. I don't get on the cardio and do the ab roller for my physical body. That's gone. <laughs> There's no chance. <laughs> I get on it for my mental health because i got to get the blood pumping. i got to get my body moving. Some of us, we don't understand how just physical exercise will help us spiritually engage, help us mentally get sharp, emotionally improve. Write down number four. I love this next one. Put up number four on the screen. Make, take time to, to play. Like you've got to get hobbies. You've got to find different ways to find hobbies in your life. They're going to go like, you know what? I, I feel like going out and, and I'm going to play soccer. I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to play tennis. I'm going to play. Just find a way to get outside and to play. For me, I like the game called golf. It is the most ego-shattering, humbling sport you have ever imagined in your life. It makes you feel terrible about your identity. It makes you question your faith in God. It's great. It's so fun. I go to my wife and say, babe, can I spend six hours away from you and the kids? She goes, oh, what? we would love that. 
In fact, take a seventh hour. It's a godly number. So my value is I play golf when I'm out of town. Praise God. <laughs> but find a hobby. Play. You need to play more. Number five, write it down. Serve Jesus and his church. It's amazing what serving others does to you. What is it about giving that refreshes your soul? It actually says in the Bible that those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. It's amazing the ZST here at church. And I want to encourage you, join the ZST. Start serving Jesus and his church. Because a lot of us, were like, we're on the brink of breakdown, and I need me time, and I need to spend my, and I need a self-care day, and I need self-help, and I need to be in, in my feelings, and I need a spa day, and it's all about me. And I wonder what would happen if you're like, I'm going to serve, I'm going to give, I'm going to help, I'm going to love, I'm going to bless, I'm going to pay for, I'm going to extend my, why is it I got better physically emotionally spiritually and mentally and i was serving you were made to serve the bible has not called us to be served the bible has called us to serve and if you're on the brink of a breakthrough it's never about a massage it's always about loving others so you should just make it a value the way i get refreshed is i refresh others the way i receive is i give it's God math. It's all backwards, I know. But it's like you got to know on Sundays, we do this thing five times. And people are like, are you just a wreck on Monday? Are you dead? Monday, are you dead? Do you feel like just, do you feel dead? I'm like, stop saying dead. It's going to scare me. <laughs> are you dead? I'm like, no. Because guess what? The more I give, the more I receive. And if you refresh others, you'll be refreshed. And it actually helps. Serving helps me. Building his church helps me. It reminds me, I'm not a big deal. Life's not about me. I'm not the main thing. The hero in this story is a different guy. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. And I'm on the brink of a breakthrough, not because I'm so focused on my feelings. I'm focused about helping and building and loving and seeing the church of God go to a whole nother level. Oh, Zoe, I wish you'd get some faith today. And thank God, I'm going to serve. I'll bet, I'll bet you could serve your way out of your funk. I'll bet you could serve your way out of your disposition. I'll bet if you just go ahead and just start, I'll just do it in the parking lot or the coffee team. I'll go do it at Zoe Kids or in production. It doesn't matter. Serve Jesus. Serve people. Write down number six. Get enough sleep. Okay, so Mondays, yeah, I'm a bit tired. I'm going to be honest. I feel refreshed, but, you know, no one is like a superhero. I don't, I don't like getting around people that say two things. I don't watch TV, and I don't need sleep. I'm like, first of all, I love TV. Second of all, I love sleep. I need both. I love to be rested. And God made your mind, made your body a certain way, and sleep is a blessing. Rest is not from your mattress or how awesome your thread count is. Rest is a gift from God. All through the scriptures, God promises the same promise. I'll give you rest. Who is he talking to? The fit? No, he's talking to the people on the brink of a breakdown. 
I wonder if Samson would have just slept on his decision. I wonder if Moses would have got just a good night's sleep before he struck that rock. I wonder if Esau would have been like, dang, that looks like a really good chicken noodle soup, but hold up, let me sleep on this decision and let me come back to you tomorrow. He would have come back and he'd be like, hey, you can keep your Campbell's soup. I don't need none of it. I feel I'm called, I'm graced, I'm blessed. I've got a birthright. I've got, a, I've got something on my life and I don't need no soup. And, and, and I'm just speaking practically to our church. You're not getting enough sleep. You need more rest. One of my favorite things about my father, my mother would try and wake us up early on Saturday mornings and do chores. She'd talk to us in Spanish and English and tongues and Ebonics and try and wake us up in different languages. And she'd say, mijo, mijo. And my dad would come in as a protector. He'd be like, when we were in high school, he'd be like, let them sleep. And my mom would be like, it's 10.30. He's like, they could sleep till noon. I'm like, I love my dad. <laughs> now, years later, he'd be like, you need to get up. But he was, he was allowing us to rest. He's allowing us to grow in that season. You're not getting enough sleep. In fact, it goes with number seven. Right now, drink lots of water. Like, I came to church on Sunday. Message was okay, but one of the points was drink more water. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, really good for you. Oh, sorry, your body needs it. And if you, like, if you sleep and drink water, I wonder if you'd turn into a different person. Where'd your breakthrough come? Uh, I just started sleeping and drinking water. You're a different person, man. I know. My body feels better. And then you get that physical rest, which gives you that emotional health, which gives you that mental edge. It all goes back to your physicality is actually affecting the rest of your life. And you got to drink more water to get healthy. Write down number eight. Put it up on the screen. I love this one. Find a way to create laughter. Find a way to create laughter. Like you just got to be creative and make, make a way, like get her. I, I just, one of my values in life is I, I, I attract, I try and collect funny friends. Like I value friends where I just, I need to find a dime or a quarter and I stick a quarter in them. I let them go for two hours. I don't want to host everything. I don't want to have to make people laugh. I want to be entertained. Anybody else? I, I want to say nothing for an hour or two. You tell the jokes. You tell the stories. Find laughter. Create laughter. Laughter, the Bible says, is medicine. Some of the medicine we need to take is just joy, laughter, and ease about us. Just get it. That's why get some shows that are funny. Go to a movie that's funny. That's why you're never above Dumb and Dumber. You're in a church, you're like, I'm past it. No, you're not. Go back in while pets' heads are falling off. Stuff's funny, man. But you need humor. You need laughter. All of a sudden, it's a shot of energy. It's a shot of joy. It's like one night of laughter. One night of joy. It's like, get up the next day, you're like, I don't know why. I feel like I can keep going. I feel like I can keep doing this. I feel like I can love again and go. Why? Because you got your joy back. 
Joy is one of the greatest weapons in the kingdom of God. And what you need, you need sleep, you need water, you need rest, you need some friends, you need all that stuff, but you, you, need, you need to take a break every once in a while, but you need to laugh. Make it a value. Make it a joy. Take the simple things about life, like just sitting around and try and find a way to bring some laughter in it. Try and find a way to bring some joy in it. You know, we're here at church, and you can go to some churches, and it's like serious, and the Word of God is being taught, and it's like, we are going to learn and take out your Bibles. I don't know, man. I want to have fun. Right? Because I feel like God is joyful. God is so good. When I was over in Israel, again, I'm going to mention it every week for the next six months. We get it, bro. You went for two days. Changed my life, man. What was it? The hummus. Unbelievable. But one of my favorite parts, you say that every week, one of my favorite parts was, <laughs> sorry, one of my favorite parts was, was the guy, the tour guide stopped us and he was making a point about where they, they, they had to stop. God made them stop and th throw a, a celebration for one week. And he said, think about God. God is so awesome. He forced his people to pause for one week and said, okay, you guys are going to party. It's kind of why I like the 4th of July on a Thursday. Because I liked it being on, like Wednesday was a great night. Thursday was a lot of fun. Friday we went to the beach. Saturday... I had to study and prepare. But, 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 it was, but it's like, God was like, no, 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 you don't need two days. You need a week of festivity. You need a week of laughter. Worship team, you can come join me. Write down this next one. Number nine, unplug from technology. This is so critical to your mental health. This is so critical to your spiritual vitality. This is so critical. Maybe some of you physically, you're, you're struggling with jealousy and you're, you're watching other people's lives that are not real. It's just their highlight reel. And you're watching their life and you're going, my life is terrible in comparison. My, I don't get to do the fun things they're doing. And, and look at what success they have. They are lying to you. That is a highlight reel. That is the best of the best. They also change diapers. They also cry. They also have hardship they also are facing financial pressure it's just a highlight reel it's not real life and the problem for a lot of us is you're comparing your worst with their best it's messing with you unplug from technology you're not that important you are not that needed god is in control of the whole universe god is seated on the throne and if you unplug from your phone everything's still going to function everything's still going to work one of my favorite things about taking an international flight is it like when I go to Australia, or I was flying back from Tel Aviv. It's a 14-hour flight. And for 14 hours you fly and you cannot have contact with anybody. I'm like, this is awesome. And so I watch movies or I, I watch a TV show and I definitely indulge in the Sunday when they serve it. And I just, I take a break. And the other day I go on the flight and they go, Wi-Fi is available this whole flight. I go, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk to anybody. No, 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 no. Let's just turn it off, and then when I land, I'll say, so sorry, guys, there was no Wi-Fi. Because <laughs> sometimes you need to unplug. Just take a break. And the tenth thing, the last thing is this. I want to encourage you this. You're on the brink of a breakthrough. Go on a walk. You just go on a walk, and you look around, and you're like, wow, look at creation. Look at God. Leave your phone at home. Go on a walk. Go on a walk and 
the blood's pumping and your body's moving and you can take a walk by yourself, but maybe take a walk with your family, take a walk with others. We went to go on a walk on uh, Friday and we texted uh, Roman and Erica. We go, hey, want to go walk on the beach? We love to walk the strand. So we walk the strand and we just like to walk. And our kids are on the scooters and the bikes and we're just walking and it's just something, it does something to you. It does something to the soul. Now remember, I'm from Seattle and we, could, we couldn't go on walks because it rained. And the devil just, he has a lot of territory there. But here we're in the sunshine. And I wonder this week, maybe you can schedule two walks. So I'm going to go on a walk this week. In fact, I'm going to go on two walks and maybe couple it with somebody. Let's go, go on a walk. It's good for your soul. You're on the brink of a breakthrough. And it's going to take a few things in your life that you start to put together. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I don't need to break down. I can just make a couple changes. I can break through. Because as fast as you physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally are drained, you can get rejuvenated. You can get revived. You can get restored. That's who God is. Amen? I want to show you one last scripture. Look at Jesus. This is Jesus. Jesus had a burden for weary people, people that were tired. This is the last scripture today. Look at Matthew 11. This is Jesus speaking. I love this scripture so much. He says, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come on, Zoe. Let's thank God. We're going to go on a walk with Jesus. We're going to learn from Jesus. We're going to get the unforced rhythms of grace in our world. Come on, a breakthrough is about to happen. Why don't you just take a praise break right now and just thank God. I'm not going to break down. I'm about to build up. The best is yet to come.